Welcome to this issue of Mexmen. I'm Tony, and uh, I'm sitting here with my friend Chango. Uh, did, did I say that, everybody? Yeah. yeah, Chango. Chango. All right. I just want to make sure that uh, I'm saying everything right. Uh, so, yeah, if you guys want to uh, check him out, he's at uh, Chango ATX on uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram, right? Yes, sir. All right. Yeah. And uh, today we're going to be going over uh, just like a, not even really a review, just talking about uh, Donnie Kate's Venom run. Uh, we're both gigantic fans of that run. He did such an amazing job with that. Oh, yeah. He killed it. Yeah. It, uh, it felt good to, uh, it, it had been a long time to have like somebody who really cared for Venom to have them taking care of the series. And he, like, you could tell he poured his heart into it and that it's what he wanted to write for his whole career leading up into to that. Yeah. He definitely had that, that, uh, that nostalgia of like, I want to make this character his own person outside of like Spider-Man. Like he's no longer into Spider-Man's shadow. He's his own person, which it's been going like that for a while. But like this one actually set up his own like mythology with Venom. Yeah, like Venom now feels like he's his own character. He doesn't feel like somebody in Spider-Man's rogue gallery. He, right. he just like there's a Venom lore now. Like I, I can pick out and this like I know this is a Venom book. This isn't a Spider-Man spinoff. Exactly. Like he's not riding off the coattails anymore. Yeah. Like I feel like the only time we got anything close to that feeling was uh, when Remender uh, was writing uh, Venom. Oh and, man, such a good run. Yeah. That to me, that's the only thing that even comes close to to Donnie's Venom. Just, both those runs, I can't even pick which one I would put over the other. There, uh, like personally, uh, I would I like Flash Thompson more than I do Eddie Brock. Uh, but it, that's also a real close one. So it's kind of, it's like picking your children. Like, <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Like, which one of these kids do I want to keep? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's crazy for me is I read them both at around the same time because I hadn't read Remender's Run until yeah. like, uh, yeah, until I think it was Absolute Carnage. I was like, let me go and read Remender's Run. And man, I fell in love with that run. It's so good. It's I, halfway through the book i'm sitting there and i look to my fiance and i'm like am i about to start crying like <laughs> reading this book yeah he's like oh man you're gonna be an agent venom dude aren't you now i was like yep agent oh, it, venom. to see flash's relationship with his father and uh oh, and yeah. how it, it, they took him out of just being that jock uh that picked on peter all the time and uh, he, you see, like, why he's that way. Like, exactly. Yeah, it just, it made me such a huge fan of Flash Thompson that, like, I would even, like I said, put him over uh, Eddie Brock character-wise. Like, combining that with, uh, I don't know if you've ever read it, but the um, uh, issue of Amazing Spider-Man, where um, they did one issue of Flash Thompson in the war, and Peter's, I don't even think Peter's in the issue, it's just how Flash lost his legs and uh, like him becoming a hero. And that like one issue, he has so much character progression of just going from that jock to being the Flash Thompson who we see now. Oh, yeah, man. Like that, that, that issue actually was the issue that got me all choked up because I was <laughs> like, 
I'm like, oh, you see his whole arc of like how he is, like he how he went from being a jerk to an actual hero to like being like, well, I secretly idolized you, you know. Yeah. That's the thing that that's why they had such an animosity, you know. And uh, man, I feel like he's kind of like not like the juxtaposition of Eddie because they're both, you know, come from having hard relationships with their fathers, having to cope with, you know, being sad boys. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's, it's just like kind of a weird way that they come about of using the symbiote, yeah. you know? And like, that's also one of my, one of my favorite things uh, about the relationship that Venom has uh, with his hosts is that he like, I think uh, I have a personal theory that um the venom symbiote is, is his favorite host isn't eddie i think it is flash because flash is the one who taught him how to be a hero like eddie's always going to be the one he's closest with that's who he spent most of his time with but he looks up to flash yeah yeah i feel like um eddie is family where flash is the hero like, yeah. he was like, I didn't realize or understand what it was to be a hero until he was with Flash. And then I feel like when they joined together in Donnie's run, that he kind of made Eddie become the hero through what he learned. Yeah, you get that, like, uh, that uh, really good transition of, uh, like, Eddie isn't who he is now without Flash having spent the time with uh, with Venom. Because, like, Venom oh, yeah. learns so much, and then it's, like, uh, Venom takes on the role of the mentor towards uh, to Eddie, teaching him how to be a hero. Because Eddie's always wanted to be a hero. He's just never known how to do it. Right. Exactly. He's a fuck-up. Yeah. He's, he's like, the perpetual <laughs> fuck-up. He's always, anytime he tries to do good, something bad always happens. Someone gets shot. Someone gets stabbed. Someone dies. You know? Yeah, and even when they don't he terrifies whoever he's saving because he exactly the monster. Yep. <laughs> and uh, to, to go back to um, you were, you mentioned um, absolute carnage. I had so much respect uh, reading what Kate's did there because I I'm also a huge carnage fan and every mm -hmm. single carnage run I've ever read. And I, I've, I've read most of them. Uh, he references every single one of them. Yeah, it's crazy, dude. Like, that's the one thing that people forget that before Donnie became a comic book writer, he was a comic book fan. Not only was he a comic book fan, Homeboy owned a shop here in Austin, Texas. Yeah. <laughs> so he knows his shit. So when people are giving him guff about, like, oh, continuity, I'm like, dude, he knows what's up. Like, even being able to, like, connect Cassidy's lineage to the symbiotes now like that should just blew my mind yeah and tying that in with the cult of carnage from uh, exactly conway's run and then like bringing in characters from all these like from five different uh five issue or single issue runs uh bringing in references from mind bomb and carnage usa and having yes. them all sewed together and flowing so perfectly like just in one issue of reading absolute carnage i was like i already had respect for this guy but mm -hmm. he he does his homework on everything and not only did he read those before obviously like i can you can see that he sat down before he was going to write that part and just read everything that they did for carnage 
Oh yeah. Like, uh, there, I, <laughs> I feel like, uh, he had done a reread of it and he had like just jotting down all the ideas of, I got to pick up that thread, got to pick up that thread. There's that thread there. Because at the same time, right before I read uh, absolute carnage, I went back and read a lot of the carnage stuff. Cause I was getting all hyped for it. So, you know, I'm like, I want to see how it all connects and dude. Yeah. Like you said, yeah. in the first issue, I was like, Oh man, he's bringing in a lot of stuff. Yeah, just all of it. Every uh, brought in the the town from Carnage USA, uh, even the mm-hmm. family that Cletus took over. Yes. Um, he brought in, I can't remember her name, but the uh, the woman from, um, I think it's Family Feud, uh, mm-hmm. the, the Carnage series with Tony Stark in it. Uh, he brought her in. I could sit here and the whole podcast could just be me naming <laughs> the characters and situations yeah. of reference. It goes so deep. And it's the first series that I've read since Original Sin, where mm-hmm. uh, I enjoyed every single side book that came out. For real, man. Like, Frank Thierry, man, he was his ride or die during this whole uh, Venom run because, like, he would make the stories that, you know, the street-level heroes that you care for. He wrote the Ravencroft story stuff. that just kept building on this whole world around Eddie and the symbiotes. And, like, characters that were important to the Venom and Carnage stories, like, um, what's his name? John, the werewolf. werewolf. Oh, um, Jameson. Uh, John Jameson. John Jameson. And then Misty Knight and having Mm -hmm. some of the legal protectors in there. Like, I just loved having all that tied into it. Yeah, bringing in uh, all the lore of Ravencroft and tying Mm -hmm. that in. uh, and, And, like having so much references towards uh it's a wonderful life and mind bomb uh just by yeah. bringing in those characters in ravencroft though those stories i they don't get nearly enough credit like not only the the side stories that came out at the time but mind bomb and it's a wonderful life like they don't get nearly as much credit as they should because they're so oh, yeah yeah i think because people with characters like the symbiotes, people are always like just kind of like throw them to the side because they're like, oh, those are the extreme sides of yeah. Marvel. You know, they they just see those as like the we're gonna let people just go crazy over there with those books. Yeah, like a lot a lot of people like people love to talk crap about anything that resembles like Edge Lord content. But I exactly. I, I am a sucker for Edge Lord content. <laughs> I am I'm down with the whole kids with chains thing that Kate's referencing. Nope. Uh, like it, the people get it mixed up because a lot of people just uh, write the most messed up story they can think of. But like when you do it well and you have substance to all these stories, like those moments hit really hard. Oh yeah. And that's the thing though. You have to have the substance. You have to have the heart behind it to make the story work where like, it's not just nonstop action and, oh, let me yeah. just, like, rip people apart, throw people into space kind of thing, you know? Yeah. He's not you can't just, just doing it. guns. Exactly. He's not yeah. just doing it for the sake of fucking doing it. He's doing it because he gave you those quiet, touching moments, and now the shit has hit the fan. And it feels like all hope is gone. That's the kind of stuff I like. Yeah. It, like, I, I watched a lot of... um like interviews with Kate's talking about this, like in preparation, partly in pre- preparation for this, but also just because I love seeing the process and 
the writer's head that goes through when they're coming out with this. But like knowing that Donnie was little, like sculpting statues of Venom, and like right. that's who I want on the Venom book is somebody who right. cares that much. That you know is going to handle it with care and love. Yeah. Like you can tell that he he did the same thing that like Chip Zdarsky did when he was writing uh, a life story and just went mm-hmm. through and read everything. So you can just reference oh, yeah. all of it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's one of those like even like minor things like, you know, referencing back to like the car accident and giving like history behind the car accident, you know. And adding, like, a lot of weight to stuff of Venom's life that just seemed kind of, like, thrown to the wayside. He actually gave all of that meaning. Like, Frank Thierry's Black Knight run. Like, no one really ever paid attention to that story. And he tied it into King of Black, and then it made it make sense. Why is he losing his mind? Why is all this shit going on? Duh, the fucking Ebony Blade. Yeah, they they dropped off uh, Black Knight like five years ago. They just dropped him off in another dimension, and mm-hmm. uh, Kate just remembered that and picked him back up and brought him from just being an obscure character who like had a big run with the Avengers and then just disappeared. Exactly. They were just like, "Oh, homeboy's crazy now. No one can use him, so we'll just yeah. go leave him over there." Just, but I like it because it's like, yeah, he was crazy. But do you know why he was crazy? Let me tell you why. Yeah, <laughs> like bringing in all the 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 lore from that, and that him. I I think my favorite part of the Kate's run is uh, how he takes things that you've probably never even thought about or questioned, and uh, but like he gives really good answers for why Venom is the way he is, like uh, the symbiote weaknesses of being uh, fire and sound coming from when they forged the necro sword like yep. that was one of those moments that i like dropped the comic and was like <laughs> that is so makes good. sense yeah yep. exactly yeah. i i even like that the uh the slime is how he like uh kind of heals himself but also is like how he produce his waste and I know like yeah. a lot of people were bummed out about that, but I just thought that was cool. <laughs> I was like, he has a butthole. Where do you think it's gonna come from? Yeah. <laughs> like oh, there's guys. there's a reason that it's uh it's toxic and like it it's green and exactly. I'm like I'm like he doesn't have any reason for it to be green other than the fact that it's toxic shit coming out of his body. Yeah, because the reason before that was because it looked cool. Yeah. yeah, because green and black make cool colors. They do go very well together. <laughs> but um, so many like uh, just great like a lot of runs you can't just like name drop the arcs. That, but <laughs> like I feel like in most of the arcs like Venom Island and uh, Venom Beyond there's just like so many uh, from the first issue, like this is a classic arc in a classic. Yeah, arc. it was yeah. like the the same feeling of reading the first few issues of Immortal Hulk and knowing like this book is going to be the classic book that people are going to look at. When oh yeah, absolutely. Like you know, you know, you're reading something that's like going to be looked back upon and be like, this was the quintessential run for this character. Yeah, and 
it does feel like this way for Venom. Like, yeah, because before I would always attach him to Carnage. And yes, Donnie did attach that Carnage thing, but then he made it even bigger than that. Be like, Carnage is, yeah, part of his story, and he's kind of derivative of Venom, but there's this bigger thing that ties them all together and ties yeah. this whole thing together. Oh, and by the way, the symbionts have been here the whole goddamn time. Yeah. It's, so it wasn't Spidey that brought them in. Cates uh, is so good at just uh, making those moments where you just drop uh, like drop the comic and you're like oh shit like uh like yeah. in his inhuman runs when he has that line of uh of uh when black bolt's getting the shit be out of him and the dude tells him he's all talk like that I, that's like one of those lines i drop the comic i text all my friends i'm like dude this was just said <laughs> in this book i can't believe like i like i don't know how he thought of this but at the same time i don't know how nobody thought of this before it's so exactly exactly it's those one-liners man or like just a phrase that just really gets you like not to spoil anything for anyone but in issue 2000 where like or 200 when um what's his name dylan is talking to the symbiote and he asks us for his name and he tells him his name and he just starts crying and he's like I needed yeah. that I was like god damn it now I want to know <laughs> yeah it's it's like the the um I don't know if you're a Doctor Who fan but it's like the same thing with the doctor where it's like we can't really conceive his name but we know it's something beautiful exactly exactly yeah and by the way dude of course I'm a Doctor Who fan all right I figure because every time you, you <laughs> Uh, every time I've seen you mention anything you like, I'm like, oh, that's a thing I absolutely love. Like, I got to be friends with <laughs> <with> that guy. <laughs> no, it, 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 it kind of is, though, like that. Kind of like Doctor Who, because uh, they, they, they he did the time travel stuff. And I know, I personally know Donnie's a huge Doctor Who fan. So I like, oh, I can see a little Doctor Who in this story. Yeah. Um, uh, and now that you've said that, I can kind of see like uh, where like uh, is some of the uh, the story beats he likes to do uh, could come from like the doctor, uh, especially doing like um, like else world stuff, like bringing him into the alternate universe, like um, parallel universe things are essentially like a different version of time travel, like a different. Right. Uh, it's, it's basically time travel with a different name. But it, exactly. Uh, it, so like bringing him into what was uh, kind of the ultimate universe. I don't know if that was ever fully, it was a little bit different than the ultimate yeah. universe, I think. Yeah. I wondered about that too. If that was the ultimate universe because didn't the maker jump with them or did the yeah. maker jump on his own? They, it, it was kind of weird. So the maker like jumped and they followed him. So, it, but they never saw him. So it wasn't clear if yeah. like they all went to the ultimate universe that they all went somewhere else or if they didn't quite make it to where the maker was. Right. So, you see, I hate it when they does that. Like, I'll give you just enough information to leave you wondering. But he did do really cool stuff, like how he gives us all spoiled stuff, but he does that Doctor Who thing of where, like, long time ago, yeah. this thing <laughs> happened, and it's tied into something that's about to happen way later down the road. And throughout the season, you figure out, oh, shit, that little thing that they started <laughs> at the beginning of the season, all the way at the end season, has a payoff. 
see that that's always the the greatest part of like when you go back and you rewatch things or you uh you reread them uh like for instance like i just went back and rewatched scream for the first time in years nice. and knowing who the killers were like you see yeah. stuff throughout where you're like you son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> you're like i i knew you were shysty for a reason yeah like rewatching it like you can even see like all right, at this point, Stu is the one who's killing them, or it's mm-hmm. like it's got to be them because they were like this other person. Uh, we can account for his time there. Yeah, exactly. But I will say, Scream Two did throw me for that loop. I didn't expect the, the ending for that one. Yeah, but it's because they had that such great, you know, continuing off the story from the first one of how the original killers happened. Yeah. Uh, and even like like Scream Three is probably the weakest of them, but it's still a really good movie. Oh, yeah. It's uh, still a good one, dude. It's not yeah. fun. <laughs> it uh, and like I watched uh, the fourth one for the first time too, and that was way better than I I uh, was expecting. Got me excited for the fifth one uh, coming out. I love the false starts in the fir- in the uh, the fourth one, where yeah. it keeps being a movie, and then it's another movie, and then it's another movie. Oh, yeah. that was so good. Got to be hyped for the next one, man. Yeah, uh, it, I mean, it, it, it bums me out that Wes Craven's not around for it anymore, but they still got the same writer, so I think it'll they'll be all right. And that's what matters. That's what matters. Yeah. As long as the writing team continue that thread and finish, well, finish their story, we'll see. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be like a uh, uh, more of a, um, a reboot where they'll they'll continue off of the fifth one uh, instead yeah. of just kind of ending the story. But I, I'm excited. Right. There's there's definitely going to be a couple movies in the next few months that I'm real excited for. Dude, I am so freaking happy theaters open again so I can go back to being at the weekend, every weekend at the theater. I know. I can't wait to go see Black Widow. Uh, oh, oh, dude. As soon as the tickets went on yeah. sale, I already had my tickets, dude. I was like, I'm not letting this thing sell out. Oh, it's going to be... Uh, I'm so excited to see Taskmaster. Um, I just hope they... Oh. It, it, it's a really weird uh, fear to have because Marvel kind of has the opposite problem where they take uh, serious characters and they make them too fun. Uh, but right. I, for some reason, I just get the feeling that Taskmaster is not going to be as fun as he normally is in the comics. Right, exactly. Especially after reading Jed McKay's run, I was like, I want oh, that Taskmaster. <laughs> Give me that, dude. Oh, get absolutely. Get beat out of him. But then like the next time go around, he's like, I'm ready for this shit. It's seeing him take on Hyperion, uh, oh my! One God, of the dude. greatest things I've ever read in comics. Just uh, so perfect. Yeah, he's like, my plan is to get the shit beat out of me. That's my whole plan. <laughs> <laughs> like my plan came into this was to get my ass rocked, prove you otherwise. <laughs> but um, bringing it back to uh, uh, Venom a little bit though. Uh, it, him uh creating uh null just uh, having null not only be in venom but span throughout uh all of the other books that kate has written without it being like overwhelming that being like we get it null's a thing it was like no just like oh cool another portion it was more because it wasn't being shoved in your face you were just getting another piece of the puzzle every time Exactly. That's the one thing I, I thought was kind of weird that I would keep seeing everywhere. People are like, oh, Johnny Cates, is it going to be Noel? Is it going to be Noel? I'm like, where do you see that in all of his 
books that I'm not seeing that. Yeah. I was completely confused. And I was like, yeah, this is a narrative he's trying to tell throughout his Venom run, but I don't see him interjecting it into all of his other stories. Yeah, he wasn't like, like in... Uh, he wasn't like in uh, like Death of Inhumans and stuff. Uh, he was just showing exactly. up. He is uh, the faintest little tiniest part of Guardians of the Galaxy. And that's just because Silver Surfer spun off of Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy. Exactly. Yeah. So, I'm like, he, he wasn't a big thing in there. He wasn't a big bad. Yeah. And he didn't just uh, introduce him and then he got his ass beat and then it was done. It was like Null went from being not a thing to being a truly terrifying character. Like, it, oh yeah, and but not in a way where you're like, oh, he's Deus Ex Machina, nothing can beat him. They established right away that like Thor is the person who can beat him, but Thor's not here right now, so right. they have to find some way around that. Yeah, which was pretty well executed. Like it, like COVID kind of messed things up, but at the same time, I felt like it kind of worked in the favor for that story, you know, because uh, yeah, you, Thor wasn't anywhere around. He was still wasn't in the proper uh, reality, I guess, to be the big badass that he usually is. And also, like the Silver Surfer couldn't fucking beat him. Yeah, he had to. He had to use like strength from a baby Galactus and. Well, Ego, the living planet, to basically beat him. Yeah. And still then was uh, was changed. Like, he didn't yeah. leave that battle the same person. Exactly. Which I kind of think that's an interesting um, thing that they gave to Noel. That, like, when you go up against Noel, it changes you. And he continued that with Eddie. And he continued that with Dylan. That, like, it changed them. After the fact, after that big fact. Yeah, and uh, ha- having him, uh, like, uh, having him beat Sentry, but without it being, like, any time somebody would beat the Sentry, like, if, if you would have just told me, like, Null beat Sentry, I would have been like, oh, Null beat Sentry. But, like, he had such a good reason for why Null was able to beat Sentry. Like, he didn't even beat him. He just he took the void from him. And exactly like, that killed century like that's it, it, like him being able to beat the century because he is the void like mm-hmm. that was such so perfectly executed and that was missed by so many freaking people yeah. so many people did, didn't understand that i'm like do not understand that the void would be tied to this like of <laughs> I, course man it makes I, perfect sense i love the um I love the relationship of it being null and void. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That's why everyone was like, kept saying, Oh, the person that's going to be, no, is going to be the century, the century, the century. That's why they kept going with that. And Donnie was like, ah, that's cute. And he beat him with century's own move. Cause like the century has two moves. He tears you in half or he throws you into the sun. (laughs) So he tore him in half. He did the same thing that Sentry did to Carnage, which I, I like to at least think in my head canon that uh, Null knows that that's how the Sentry killed Carnage. So he was oh, kind of yeah. getting him back for that. Yeah, because uh, I, from what it seems like, he's able to take all 
when the codices come back, he's able to take all the memories from all the hosts that they were part of. So I'm assuming he knows a shit ton about everyone. That's why I felt like he was able to go into Krakoa during King of Black because, you know, he had attached himself to the X-Men so he knew that how to get through there. Which, uh, speaking of Krakoa, just get this pop in my head, but uh, obviously um, they have the whole situation with Franklin Richards and Krakoa and him being a uh, a, a fake mutant. Uh, and I'm I'm super curious uh, how long it's going to take for somebody to point out that Gwenpool is doing the same thing, but on purpose. Exactly. <laughs> and everyone's perfectly fine that you retconned yourself into being a, a mutant. Yeah. But when it's the other way around, oh my God, forget oh, about yeah. it. People, oh God, people are losing their shit. People blew up when that came out, man. People freaked out. I'm like, are you brand new? Have you never read anything Dan Slott ever writes? He fucks shit up just to later on tell this great story at the end. Yeah, it's it's kind of his thing. Uh, he did the same thing with uh, the Superior Spider-Man. He like. It doesn't always work out the best with Dan Slott, but sometimes you get a superior Spider-Man and it works out great. Yeah. It's just every once in a while, you also get uh, Peter Parker, billionaire, uh, Tony Stark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. he, he that's just the kind of writer he is. He's going to take uh, whatever he's on and he's just going to change the status quo of it. Absolutely. Just go crazy with it, which he did with Empire. And Empire tying in towards the end with King and Black, which was freaking. I loved how they tag teamed that at yeah. the end there with having the last issue be um, Empire King and Black's issue and seeing the coming doom and how it's basically going and like just destroying planets on its way to Earth. Yeah, it was kind of like that feeling um, that you get at the end of uh, any run that took place right before Secret Wars, uh, when mm -hmm. especially with the ones that did it really well, uh, like Deadpool, for example, where it was like, all right, this whole problem solved, and then, oh, what's that? Like, uh, yeah. it, it's just everything's ending now. Yep. Here comes the next big doom. Yep. They, and they... Uh, I got to reread uh, Secret Wars at some point because uh, from what I remember, I did not like it. And I've heard so many people really? say how much they loved it. I think it was just oh, because uh, I'm such a big Cyclops fan and they uh, he, <laughs> he bitch slapped Phoenix Cyclops so badly. <laughs> so well, I think I just got bitter over that. Well, your first mistake is being a Cyclops fan. So <laughs> I guess that's that's probably why. But uh, no, dude, I recently, I, all these stories I just recently read, um, I read that whole event. It's big. Um, I really dug it because it was really like, especially in the side stories, it's like you didn't know who you could trust and you didn't know who was going to be the like savior of the story. Especially me as a huge Spider-Woman fan, I was like, God Damn it, Spider Woman! <laughs> <laughs> well, and she's she's one of those characters that I did not know that much about. And I read uh, Bendis's New Avengers run, and mm -hmm. I I have to uh, I'm gonna have to go and read 
some more stuff about her now because that she was so good in that run. Uh, so many characters were so good in that run that oh, yeah, uh, it's it, there's like five different characters that if somebody said that they were like, oh, do you have any like Doctor Strange recommendations? I'd be like, go read New Avengers. <laughs> He's yeah. such a good story in there. Dude, speaking of Doctor Strange, like how how much foresight did Donnie have to do in his run of Doctor Strange to bring back Sentry to try to use him later on down the line, like way down the line? Yeah, I I think that I think there's something uh, in Donnie that he he loves taking these characters like Sentry and Venom and characters that are like so cool. But you, uh, there. But they were like so shallow, like they just did, right. they didn't have much to them. And he loves just expanding on these awesome characters that just nobody's ever really uh, picked them up and ran with them. Exactly. That's that's why I feel like um, him having Dylan and being able to give like this new character, this new life, and now continue on his story with the venom you know now now he gets his moment you know yeah. it's not gonna like he's guaranteeing the future of this character and i love that kind of stuff instead of being just thrown to the wayside yeah uh like normally i i feel like i would get like a feeling of like oh man now the, the next book's not going to be about eddie and i'd feel like i got bummed out would get bummed out but when i read venom 200 and they were like all right it's dylan's book Dylan's taking it from here. I was like, dope. Let's do it. Like, I'm right. so down to see what Dylan's going to do. Um, but speaking of uh, Doctor Strange, the uh, I think the moment that made me a fan of Donny Cates was uh, when Doctor Strange is playing cards against Mephisto. And oh, God, yes. <laughs> he, he's going through a whole inner monologue of like, how awesome it is, what he's doing, and how he's going to beat Mephisto's ass, and he plays the right card, and he's like, yeah, and I did that just because I'm awesome, and the card's like, he cheated, and he's like, also, I cheated. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. As I'm soon as I read that, man. I can't fight fair against Mephisto, dude. You gotta be dirty. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially Doctor Strange, he's a magician. He's, he's, mm -hmm. gonna, nope. he's gonna play a little dirty, especially when the stakes are that high exactly man and dr strange but don't forget dr strange isn't all too afraid to like do the fucked up shit that needs to get done to do the job like in his um hickman's avengers run dude sold his soul to have the power of a god to destroy a planet yeah like and when they were like, no, dude, you have no soul to give us. Your soul's not worth anything. He's like, all right, well, I'm going to summon a demon to destroy the other planet. I'm like, oh, Doctor Strange, he's, he's okay going shady. You and I had uh, talked online about uh, how it's kind of at the point where um, somebody deserves to take over being Sorcerer Supreme for a while. And oh, absolutely. Because of all this uh, dark shit that Doctor Strange has done, uh, like I'm, I am excited to see who is going to take on that title again. Like, there's so many good options of who could take over Pink's oh, yeah. Supreme. Absolutely, like it's it's interesting because uh, 
Hickman definitely gave Doctor Strange a bunch of stuff that made him really made him made you hate him. And that's why I was like, okay, if magic is worth like, you know, you have to pay the cost for magic, how the hell is Doctor Strange still the Sorcerer Supreme? His homeboy should not have it at all. And then he's like, oh, he uses all these like monks. He yeah. the monks pay the price for him. And I'm like, shit, there's a lot of dead monks somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but, that, that was uh I, I believe that was uh Aaron's run, right? Uh where uh all of a sudden like Juan it just like was hiding all these monks that were yep. uh just paying the price uh for everything that Doctor Strange done. And to know that like right after he saw how much of a toll that people were uh taking for him to be able to protect people and be responsible doing it. First thing he does is resurrect a city and bring a bunch of people back to life and instantly screw everybody over. Instantly screw everybody over. And then screwed everything up around because then Mephisto lost control of hell. Then <laughs> Ghost Rider became the king of hell. And then hell's getting invaded by Lilith. It's like all these stuff happened. And I was like, Doctor Strange, you couldn't stay in your lane? Yeah, he's... uh. And I think um, it's interesting uh, for a while to take away that because he's had that responsibility for so long and it, uh, whether or not they, they kill him or if they just make him uh, not be Sorcerer Supreme anymore, I think it will be interesting to see somebody else take the title. And I think it'd also be really interesting to see uh, what he does uh, without it, because I, I know we've seen that in like new Avengers, but there was, like we never really saw what Doctor Voodoo uh, got to do as Sorcerer Supreme, right? And exactly, uh, we never saw what Doctor Strange does outside of just like hating himself for losing that title, right? Like he he never. By the time he grew past like being upset about it, he had it back. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sorry, I'm a huge proponent of give it back to Brother Voodoo. I'd be cool with him having it. Um, I think the probably the three most interesting people to have it are like him, um, uh, Magic, and um, Wiccan. Uh, mm -hmm. I think all all three of those would be really interesting. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I, it might have been you said it or somebody else, but um, definitely one of the worst options would be seeing um, the Hood have it. But I would oh, like God. to see him uh, be like return as the villain uh, to yeah. whoever the new Sorcerer Supreme is. Right. I feel personally, my, my two like crazy options are Wanda because come on, like she has so much history with him and he absolutely hates her for what she's done and, yeah. uh, and giving magic a bad name. And then also doom. Doom That's, would be really interesting to see. That, that is one title that he he is hungry for. like Because we already know, okay, technology, he's smart. And he dabbles so much in magic. And he hasn't done too much magical stuff as of yet. Like, But to give him the Sorcerer Supreme title, I just want to see him go crazy with that. And what's messed up, too, is I think uh, he would take that extremely seriously. 
Like he wouldn't oh, be a yeah. bad guy with the title. He would do a damn good job of being the Sorcerer Supreme. Because he oh, he's that guy that always wants to prove everybody wrong and be like, but I could do it better. <laughs> did you uh, did you read the recent uh, Doctor Doom series? Oh yeah, absolutely. The, uh, so, uh, the greatest moment in that whole series is when he worked out the math on uh, the black hole and yeah. had it perfect. And then Reed called him and was like, hey, uh, checked out the math. You did a great job. And he was like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't need you to tell me I do a good job. I do that to you. And then he just, he, he proved again that like nobody's a bigger enemy of Dr. Doom than Dr. Doom is. Exactly. And I also love that that run they gave him some of the big minds, you know, like they have, um, um, oh my God, why am I spacing on his name? Blue Marvel. Yeah. Blue Marvel was in there, another big mind that people forget about, a big, powerful big mind in there. And then you had Kang, dude that knows everything about everything, yeah. in there with him. The other uh, Doctor Doom. That The other Doctor Doom. That was so great seeing him... Uh, it's seeing Dr. Doom see a far superior version of himself and just losing his shit at that. Like he, he could instantly have became that, but then he's not really the reason that he became that. And he can't have that. Yep. Like, even and though it's just, him, <laughs> but yep, and that just burns him. Yeah. He's, he's gotta be, cause he's perfect. Nobody else can yeah. help him. Even if it's him. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, are you reading the current Fantastic Four? Yeah, I've been uh, I uh, I've been reading the which is, this is my first Fantastic Four uh, run that I've uh, read through because uh, outside uh, like outside of Silver Surfer, uh, I've never been too big into uh, the a lot of the Fantastic Four characters. Yeah. But like Doctor Doom just makes everything so good that oh yeah, oh, like yeah. I had just had to read the new run. Yeah, no, Don, Don Slott's going crazy with that. Well, this is supposed to be his, like, big story that he's been waiting his whole life to do is with the Fantastic Four. And, like, just the way he writes do, man. He's so freaking yeah. good. And like, I think you can tell reading his his Spider-Man run. Like, I, I, had, uh, I had told a couple people while his Spider-Man run was going out, like, this guy wants two characters, right? He wants Iron Man and he wants Fantastic Four. And then those were the books that he got right after Spider-Man. I was like, oh, these yeah. are the ones he wants. Iron Man <laughs> didn't quite work out for him, but no, definitely Fantastic Four did. Yeah. And do, you have to read Hickman's Fantastic Four. Go back and read yeah. that. It's amazing. For some reason, I just, I haven't found, like, I've never really gotten engaged with Hickman stories and it bums me out because everybody always tells me how great they are. And I just oh. am not into his stories. And uh, I do want to read his Avengers runs leading into Secret Wars because the, the concept has always sounded interesting to me. So uh, mm -hmm. at some point, I'm going to have to sit down and give those a try. Just for some yeah. reason, I've never connected with his stories. And it's, and it's interesting because like Donnie even picked up stuff from Hickman's Avengers run to put into his his Venom run, just like he did with Jason Aaron's Thor. He picked up stuff from... It's like, he's like, well, I see what they're doing, but they didn't do anything more with it. Now I can take their toys and expand it and tie it into this bigger narrative that I'm trying to tell, which I think is phenomenal. Like, who knew the Enigma Force was supposed to be another form of a cosmic symbiote? 
Again, I, I do think that there's there's nobody at Marvel who's as dedicated to keeping a continuality more than Gates is. Yeah, right. Like, I because I, I feel Marvel was a mess in like 2014 and 15 of keeping like all their stories uh, connected to each other, and then like it, it was like a relief reading stuff that Donnie was coming out with. It was like this happened two issues ago in this book. Like he's mm-hmm. he's referencing stuff that's currently happening. Like he had um in Damnation he had uh Jane Foster, but he made sure it uh, took place right before she uh, lost the uh, the Thor uh, Mjolnir. Yeah, and yeah, revert, reverted back and like tied it in. Yeah, and dude, even with adding Elektra as Daredevil into the big battle scene, I'm like continuity right there it's 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 smart um writing and then just knowing how to like get the right team behind him i think too you know art team creative team um yeah they just work as as a whole group of trying to tell this one narrative throughout all their stories that are still able to connect to other things like Picking up Wright's story from Annihilation, I'm like, damn, you threw it all the way that far? Yeah, I feel like there's just, uh, like, I feel like uh, it was a bunch of writers who, like, worked together, and then a bunch of friends started writing for Marvel. And, like, right. like you can tell that, like, um, Rosenberg hangs out with Cates and that, like, like I've talked to Kelly Thompson and uh, online about um, some stuff in her books, and she'll tell me like, "Oh, uh, Rosenberg came up with that line," yeah. or like I was talking to these guys about this, and we decided and, like it, it. It makes it so co- uh, everything is so cohesive now because like everybody's genuinely like they're friends with each other now. Right? No, I I love that. You could tell, and, and it's like you said, Rosenberg is friends with Kelly Thompson. He's friends with Donny Cates, and Donny Cates is. Friends with Chips and Darsky, so you <laughs> yeah. have that. And I it's love because that little animosity they have. <laughs> yeah, I love Zdarsky has it a little bit with everybody, but it's super there with Stegman. <laughs> like, oh yeah. There's a episode of Stegman's podcast uh where it's uh just Zdarsky calling people and uh asking them how much better <laughs> they like him than Stegman. <laughs> <laughs> that's that petty shit that you can do <laughs> oh my god i feel like no one can there's two people nobody can troll gail simone and chip Zdarsky. you can never troll them because they oh, can absolutely un- they could out troll you any day and yeah. that's what he basically does with like his friends and the audience and us as like comic readers i love it i uh I love too that uh, for crossover, there's just one issue that Zdarsky's writing, and uh, yep. I love the whole idea of like, oh, just by the way, in this universe, uh, nobody knows where Zdarsky is. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I love that idea of like any anybody who is just like a casual comics fan that's gonna fly like right over their head. But if you right. know about writers, that's the funniest shit. Exactly, and that it, it kind of like. I like it because it kind of gets you in on the joke as a fan, you know? Yeah. And I was talking to my friends who own a comic shop, and he said, the brilliant thing that Marvel did is hire a bunch of these indie writers. Yeah. Because 
these indie writers know how to self-promote more than anything. And they create these crazy ideas. Like when Matthew Rosenberg was going cross country, promoting this freaking book with, um, I can't remember who it was. I think it was, was, I don't think it was Jason Aaron. I can't remember who it was. Oh, Brisson, Ed Brisson. Him and Ed Brisson were just traveling, promoting their books. And then here you go, Chip Zdarsky trying to one-up them by making like these terrible ad campaigns for his books that were just <laughs> hilarious. And uh, uh, Rosenberg right now, he's just generating memes to try to sell his books. Yep. Like, And it's been yep. working so well. Like marvel there there was just uh, some switch flipped in like 2015 when marvel was uh, one of the periods where they were like at their worst and just dc was whipping their ass in quality and they they got on kate's and rosenberg and thompson and like all these like indie writers and instantly like just it seemed like overnight like as soon as they started getting more responsibility uh, every single book at Marvel was awesome. You can you can pick up almost any book right now, and you're gonna have a good time. Oh, absolutely, man! I keep telling people that when they're like, "Well, I don't know what to read." I was like, "Are you serious? Pick a Black Cat." I never thought I was gonna pick up a Black Cat book, yeah. <laughs> and it is one of the best books out there right now. And I'm like, "Pick up the Valkyries." Pick. There's so many good books being written right now that just people either don't give a chance to because they're like oh I, that doesn't sound like my thing i was like trust me dude i didn't think i was gonna be like a huge taskmaster fan either and i read the story and i was like damn it i'm a tech taskmaster fan now yeah uh that that series too um when because we're we're trying to like uh cover stuff like not only like x-men stuff but like cover stuff when like a new tv show or movies come out and uh, when we were coming up with like, what are we going to do for Black Widow? Like, we're covering that Taskmaster story. That is happening. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. That's the best run. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was like, you guys can pick whatever Black Widow story you want. I don't care. Whatever you guys want to do for that. But we're covering that those five issues of Taskmaster. Yeah. Dude, then you also have to do the the uh, King of Black Thunderbolts too, because that one with Taskmaster was so good. Yeah. The uh, that Taskmaster was real good. Um, there's that. This is my uh, my problem I have with the podcast is that I I want to cover so many different things that would take like like I would love to go through and just cover uh, arc by arc Remender's Venom, uh, but oh. I don't know if I could get those guys on board long enough to do that many of. They might give me like two episodes of Venom, but I'm not gonna. Right. They're not going to give me two months of just straight covering. Oh, hell no. They'd be like, here we go again. Yeah. Are we a Venom podcast now? (laughs) Yeah. What can we be a Venom podcast now? (laughs) (laughs) Just shift gears a little bit, you know? Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. So we found a listeners guessing. We found a a nice balance of like, uh, we'll, we'll cover x-men stories but when there's something coming out we're gonna at least cover one or two stories relating to that and that's like as much as i like x-men i i ever i need a break from them sometimes and it's nice to have like uh it's nice to be like all right we're gonna do loki this week just because like especially loki being a character i outside of being a side character i've never read like any of his main series and uh i wanted to read uh vault loki 
So I was like, mm-hmm. hey, let's put Vote Loki on the list. We'll cover that yeah. for the series coming out. Nice. So it gives me that little Dude. break from doing pure X-Men. Absolutely, man. Like uh that's why I I used to be part of an X-Men podcast and that fell apart. Then they asked me to be part of another X-Men podcast, and I was like, listen, do we need another X-Men podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel bad because my fiance took that position and he's part of that X-Men <laughs> podcast. But on that podcast, I like it because him and I will do our own segment where we talk about like, you know, anything that has to do with big events that the X-Men are involved in that are adjacent to the X-Men. And that's where I, I enjoy it more. Like we talked empire and then we talked key and black. And now we're going to start doing guardians of the galaxy because there is going to be a lot of interaction oh. right there coming up. Oh, I, I absolutely know how you feel. Cause uh, when it comes to our show, I am the, uh, I know the least about the X-Men out of the three of us. Uh, but that, uh, I, I know more about almost any other character. So I kind of mm-hmm. fill the position of like when we do a character shows up, they're like, who the hell is this? Or like, how does this relate? And I'm right there. Like, like you guys want to know why Nova's in this scene. I'll tell you why Nova's in this. scene. <laughs> <laughs> you need that kind of person though, man, that, that, that doesn't just hold themselves to like, well, I only do X books. I don't know about anything existing outside that bubble. You need that kind of perspective, man, because it, I, I feel like it helps tell a better story of like, yeah, they're in this little X-Men universe, but their shit expands. They've, they've had stories with everybody. Yeah. Well, if we were all reading the same thing, there might as well just be one person on the show. Like if you're just getting exactly. one perspective. So it's it's exactly. nice that everybody's coming from different spots and. It, it, right. it's interesting because like then you you always are learning a new thing to read from somebody like i exactly. i uh i i would never have read uh black cat if it wasn't for uh for like not only having read taskmaster and seeing how much i i like jed mckay but like you posting stuff about how great black cat was is like all right this dude <laughs> seems to like all the things i like and he's saying black cat's dope i'm gonna check it out Dude, and I didn't want to start reading it until my fiance. He was like hardcore on it, and I was like, oh, "Okay, oh, big surprise! A gay dude likes a strong female character." So I was like, "Maybe I might read it." And then I picked it up, and I was like, "Shit, this is really good!" Because he did the Donnie thing of picking up stuff from way at the beginning of her run, mm-hmm. like at the start of her first appearance, first issue. He's pulling things from the past. And I was like, whoa, okay, this might be my kind of thing. And throughout every people, every person that gets featured in there, she picks up on the history of it. Like with the King of Black stuff, man, where, where Felicia absolutely fucking hates Eddie because of the history that her and Eddie have. Yeah, it, and I think that's a thing that could easily be forgotten by uh, a lot of people going into that book. But like making sure that like, like not even having Eddie in it, but stuff that relates to Eddie and it just making her you like, you can see how uncomfortable she is with that. Like that's mm-hmm. the, it, it. It all just goes into building the universe more. And it, it like, it, it, if you, she didn't mention that it kind of takes you out of it for a second. Right. Exactly. Once she kind of like not be happy in this situation, like she'd be pretty pissed off specific, exactly. specific reasons. 
Yeah, I'm like, come on, man. Like, and I, I love that. Like, when it seems like everyone's living in the same universe. Some people hate continuity like that, but to me, I feel like that's great, man. Yeah, you know, like, as some people feel like it, like it bogs down stories, but I don't know. It 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 always takes me out of a story if they just are forgetting about stuff that came before. Like, I like it all to be like pretty neatly connected to each other. Like, I want to feel yeah. like I my uh, like I want to feel like me paying attention to the story is paying off. Yeah, but uh, and and this is where it also works where like if you don't read all the books, if you're only reading one title, you're only getting like a little bit, a sliver of the story, man. There's so much bigger stories, you know? Yeah. And I, I feel too, like you're, you're reading um, a new story and you see those references and it makes you want to go back and read those older stories. There's a reason oh, yeah. to go back instead of yeah. just uh, this story, just being the self-contained thing. Like now, like oh this uh, this is a reference towards something earlier and they tell you in the books you can go find this book and read it yeah and i feel like some books do not do that though like it depends on who's being in charge of those books because i i surprised myself when i was reading iron fist and i was like oh shit they referenced something all the way back from like another previous run all the way down the road or they referenced something from like um, the defenders and I was like how many other books are actually doing that though you know who, what books really good at doing that right now and it, it's not the um I, I I go back and forth on this book because it will build up something really great and then it keeps on letting me down but uh Nick Spencer's Spider-Man is okay. uh, fantastic at uh pointing out like what the references are like yeah. uh I feel like it's like eight times a book they're like here go check this book out or this book and they're like this right. is what this is from like uh, yeah want to go see why ned leads us here right now go read this interesting yeah i fell off of that book i really like the hunted though that was a really the hunted was really good yeah i really like that story um it's just it didn't grab me as much i it's so weird to me right now that the two big books that should be the two big books at marvel do not feel like that, which is Spider-Man and the Avengers. Yes. Uh, yeah, the Avengers, uh, definitely, especially with Jason Aaron writing it. Like, yeah. how do you combine Jason Aaron and the Avengers? And it's just, it's disappointing. Eh? It's, eh. yeah. Dude, I defended that book for so damn long. And then I, it just got to the point where I'm like, I don't even know anymore what's happened after the the Moon Knight stuff. Yeah, the conscious, the conscious quest. Too. I was like, "But what are we doing? Do I think, reference anything else?" I think it it is uh, having the same issues that I was having with uh, that I've had with Spencer's uh, Spider Man run, where it's like I like this build up; it's good. The ending disappoints me, and you, uh, right. I can't keep being built up and let down. And then, right when I start the next arc and I see something cool, I'm gonna know I'm gonna be let down now, so I'm not as excited anymore. Right? Do you do you think now with his run coming to an end that 
you read it as a whole, would you look at it fondly or would you be like, that was a transitional period in the story? I, I think there, um, uh, I think there will be moments that I look at and uh, I fondly remember, but I don't think I'll have any interest to go back and uh, read it over again. Like uh, uh, definitely uh, the books he's coming out right now for uh, heroes reborn. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are doing, those are way better than I was expecting. So oh, yeah. I will have like good, I'll have good memories of certain moments. And, uh, but I think anytime I look back on this run, I'll be uh, disappointed at what it was. Right. Yeah. And then it, it's just, it's, it feels like I shouldn't be meh about a story with so many great characters or right. a character that has a huge rose gallery that you can pull from. And not only like so many good characters and villains, but so many great story ideas like, uh, like Celestials falling to earth and being the reason that like humans eventually uh, were able to have superpowers. That's a great storyline. And then it went nowhere. And then they yep. up Avengers AD and then it went nowhere, nowhere. And like, it's, you can keep going on squadron oh, yeah. supreme. The vampires, yeah. um, the the stuff with the Ghost Riders. Where did any of this go? Yeah, and uh, but we're getting uh, World War She Hulk, and like, and now it seems like that's what it's devolved into is Jason Aaron being like, "Hey, you guys, remember this cool thing before? We're doing it again." Right, right, and it breaks my freaking heart because two reasons: a, I absolutely love Jason Aaron. I have almost everything he's ever written for Marvel. And B, I'm a huge freaking She-Hulk fan, and I've defended a She-Hulk, and I can't defend it no more. And I'm like, please do something. Give me something as a She-Hulk fan where I can justify why you did what you did with her. Yeah, because she is definitely one of those characters that they will give you nothing for a long time. Mm -hmm. And Yep. To see them giving you something and it's underwhelming, it, it hurts even more. Like, because like I can handle uh, Spider Man not being written the best for two years, uh, because like even while Spider Man, like Spider Man books can suck for like five years, but I still know that like there's going to be one book that like Chip Zdarsky's doing during that time that's good, or that Tom Taylor's oh, doing yeah. it's good, and mm-hmm. like, there's so many Spider Man things that something is going to be really good, but. She Hulk, she's gonna get a book like one book every three, four years. And if that one book sucks, th- that sucks. You see, you're not getting yeah. anything for a while, exactly. And then people will start being like, Well, why do I want to read that character? They're shitty, yeah. especially if they're just getting into it right now. Well, and they use that as an excuse too of saying, Uh, well, people don't like She Hulk, we tried it and uh, people didn't like it. It's like, No, you exactly didn't care before, right? And I'm like. Marvel, you're about to release a show about this woman. Why wouldn't you want to start hyping her up to the sky right now? Start building up the anticipation and like the fandom for it. Instead, we're going to get another rehash from the female perspective. And they did. Um, they did the same thing with Sam Alexander, where they were just trying so many different things every few months, rebooting his book. And they're like, oh, people don't care about Sam Alexander. It's like, no, you're not giving people a chance to care about Sam Alexander. Exactly. Oh, dude, that one, that one, oof, that one hurts me because that's my boy. 
Yeah, me I'm too. like Gary Dugan. Gary Dugan was doing such a good job with him. He's doing a fantastic job. And then they they rebooted it twice. Uh, and yeah. it took him off and rebooted it twice in like within a year. Yeah, which made no goddamn sense. And it, it was that was also during that time where Marvel was like, we're going to give you ethnic characters. And then they were like, oh, sorry, you guys didn't like this. Never mind, never mind. And they were like, but two of them you really liked. So we're just going to pay attention to those two and then forget about him. And I do feel like, too, there's because uh, like uh, doing the legacy characters, a lot of the ways that they did it, they're getting like uh, publicity from two different things of like bringing in a new character uh, that's taking on the legacy of like a uh, character people love. So people are like, well, who's this character? And they're at least going to check it out like they might right. checking it out. But then you, they're uh, also going to be the people who are like, oh, they uh, switched the race and I'm mad about that. But for for Sam, he uh, he was half white and he looked wh- like he looked white. So people yeah. saw that and didn't really care. And then yeah. people didn't really know Nova, so they weren't angry about that. They were just as underwhelmed as they would be for a Richard Ryder book. They didn't really care right. either way. So it kind of had those working against it. But also they and didn't put too much into advertising it and getting it out there. Exactly, exactly. And, like, let's be honest, the Nova Corp is derivative of the Green Lantern Corp. Oh, absolutely. So, so the thing is, they were trying to create a story that would be just as beloved as the Green Lantern is. But, unfortunately, Rich Rider just doesn't hit with a lot of people because he's very much stuck in that era that they wrote him in. They, uh, they insist on him continuing to use his catchphrase and his catchphrase is the most old-timey dumb thing ever uh it it, nobody reads what in blue blazes and thinks like oh that's relevant that's that's right exactly (laughs) i hear that i'm like oh that's what my 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 grandpa would yell (laughs) exactly what blue blazes it just it feels so unnatural exactly and Abnett tried making him really good, and he did. But at the same time, when you have all this history and you have only one extremely good story for his longevity that he's been around, why is anyone going to be interested? Oh, exactly. Like I read the uh, the story, the six issue story that came out before Abnett's run, and it's mm-hmm. horrible. It uh, yeah. it is not good. So. It's hard to really get into a character when they've never really given him anything outside of one run. Exactly. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, so Rich Rider already has that negative aspect on himself. Who's going to care about someone taking this position? If no yeah. one even cared about the, the original Nova. Yeah. And uh, he's, uh, he was always going to be seen as the, uh, the third person in the group of uh, Miles and Kamala. He was never, uh, nobody saw him being as big as the other two. So they had the three, they uh, were going to eventually drop one. And it just happened to be Sam, even though he's a really good character. Exactly. And now like they just, I feel like he's just been reduced to being the hothead of the group. That's yeah. always just like the, the, dumb the goofy one. hothead. Yeah. The dumb hothead. Yeah. And I'm like, cool, I guess that's what we, when you're asking for scraps, take what you can. 
Yeah, it's been five years. Still don't know where his dad is. <laughs> you know? hey, thank you. Thank you. Where is his dad? We don't know. Forget about that. They built that story up for a long time. Even put it, uh, crossed it over with Avengers. But, you know, give, give me a five-issue series of him finding his dad. Just, right. just see how that series does. It, but just uh, stop just ignoring him and having him be like the f- fifth build character in mm-hmm. Champions. Exactly. And I feel like the way that they gave Reptil his own solo, I want them to give a solo for a reintroduction of sorts of, of Sam, because he does need to be reintroduced as a, in a better story that grabs people and makes it emotional and it has high stakes, you know, where's making about his father and his identity, his self-identity. You know, that, that's a big part of who he was. Yeah, I mean, they have uh, they have plenty of, like, uh, of different characters for him to work with as well. Because Sam is one of the few characters that work really well in outer space and on Earth. Like, so yeah. you can pull from almost anything. And he's got, like, he's got a power level where you could put him with uh, smaller characters or big name characters. Like, you could have, um, uh, like... Um, uh, like uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the the word, but like um, e- e- an unexpected defeat for Doctor Doom, or something like right. he like there's no way he ever could have took him out, but he he got just lucky enough to take out Doctor Doom. Exactly, and and Homeboy's been fought in fights alongside Battery Bill and the Guardians of the Galaxy. He's the Black Vortex, he had a whole story with the X-Men. And yeah. he's fought Captain Thanos. Marvel. Exactly. He's fought Thanos. Like he's had he's has content. He has heft to his character. I just feel like they just need to remind people of that. Yeah. Like well, build up his his rogue gallery a little bit because all he really has is he fought Carnage once and he uh he's the superhero that goes against Claw. Yeah. That's it. What other baddies can you think of? Yeah, <laughs> like the, that street, one the street level space. people. <laughs> yeah, that, that one girl in space. Yeah, I can't even remember her name, but that's like the biggest villain that he got. The government is, is kind of been his biggest villain. <laughs> the government, right? The government is the bad guy. Yeah, <laughs> that dude who was like, "Hey, let me see your helmet for a second and then just took it. Like that's his yep. biggest adversary. <laughs> oh man! Like I'm like just. They, they, I like the concept that they had of a dude walking around trying to get all the Nova Corps helmets. Like, that was a cool concept for a while. I was like, yeah, take the helmet from him. He's got a special helmet. Yeah. And that that's kind of a thing that I've always found a little bit weird with Sam Alexander, too. And I know, like, almost nobody cares because, like we said, there's not a lot of uh, high-quality stuff with Rich. But his powers work so differently than Richard Ryder's it's always been kind of confusing mm-hmm. to me and I, yep. I know he's got uh he's got like the different helmet but like it's like Sam gets his powers from the helmet but Richard Ryder has the powers mm-hmm. uh, and they work kind of like a symbiote uh, it's just always been weird to me how different their powers are right and then explain all that give us some history give us invest the story with the character you know do what donnie did to venom yeah 
That's why, uh, like, I was really excited when uh, they said that Rosenberg was going to be writing Nova, but then it was only uh, only a miniseries. What they keep on doing with Rosenberg, they'll announce mm-hmm. a series, yep. and I get really excited, and it's five issues. Uh, in which I wonder if it's because of cells or because that's just all they're giving him. Yeah, because Hawkeye Freefall was badass. Oh, it, it got me into Hawkeye. I didn't even like Hawkeye before I read that Thank book. Thank you. Same. Yeah, I, I went through, same. read everything since um, uh, Nikiza's run for Hawkeye after that. Oh, you went back back. <laughs> yeah. I went uh, somewhere in the 90s, I think. Have you read that run at all? No. Uh, they have a really cool narrative device that they use in that story where uh, mm-hmm. you know how they have the recap page uh, as the first page on every book. And, yeah. um, so instead of doing a, a recap page, they do one page, like the whole, um, the whole book, like uh, Hawkeye has these friends that he made at this hotel. And it's like a, like a, a chubby Midwestern couple and like a couple hot girls at the pool that he like talks to and he hangs out with them. So the recap page is them uh, talking in the pool, being like, "Did you hear what happened to Clint? He like he went <laughs> and did." This. So it was it was a cool idea that like you don't really see anywhere else. Yeah, that is kind of cool. I like that concept. You see, like, but I, I didn't get into him until Matt Fraction, Matt Fraction's Hawkeye, which is you know the quintessential Hawkeye. You know, I liked it because you know they made him the the not like the loser, the lovable loser. But you got to see him be an average guy. You got to see him yeah. get hurt, get defeated, like get the shit rock. He's a dude who's just trying his best. He's not exactly. He in he, he's not as strong as Spider Man, or uh, yeah. he's not as quick. He's just he's a regular dude who's really good at one thing, and he's just trying as hard as he can. And exactly. like, but you also, I I like. In, in fractions run that you got to see like oh he's kind of a loser but they also did like how kate bishop remembers him and like mm-hmm. how uh how she sees him being so cool because he like saved her and she saw him as like hawkeye but we see him as clint all the time and clint doesn't right. quite live up to being hawkeye yeah ex- and i love that idea you know where like he's both sides of the same coin because he is a legendary iconic hero in the Avengers. But then when that's just Hawkeye, you're like, no, that's just Hawkeye. You know, I think that's kind of the problem that they've always had with Hawkeye in the movies is that uh, Jeremy Renner never really sucks. (laughs) So like, we only get to see him. uh, We don't get to relate to him being like the schlubby dude. Who's like, somehow working with the Avengers. He's just some dude who like for some reason can do all this crap. Like he's, right. he's not bad enough to be Clint. Exactly. I'm like, I want to I want to care about him, but they don't make us care about him. Like they yeah, they gave us a moment between him and, and the widow several times. But I'm like, you're giving me two moments between two characters that you have given me no reason to care for. Yeah. So, so what are you doing here? <laughs> well, I think one of the things I want out of the Hawkeye series more than anything is I want one episode that's just a, dedicated to his ridiculous arrows, like how Fraction did. Oh my God! Yes, I just, Please. I just give me 
even like half an episode just give me like half an episode of him just like different arrows that he's cycling through yeah i feel like they're doing they're gonna do that because with kate bishop she learning from him she's gonna have to do that like what what does this one do what does this one do you seriously have this kind of arrow (laughs) yeah give me the boomerang arrow (laughs) oh my god yeah it always comes back to you. That was one of the coolest moments that Hawkeye's ever had. He's I like, love oh, it. I love it. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. They even did that one in uh, Old Man Hawkeye. Oh, they did they? Like the boomerang era. Yep. It was so cool. Did you ever uh, Did you ever read um, Brisson's uh, Dead Man Logan? Oh, yeah, dude. That was so good. <laughs> Hawkeye was so hilarious in those of uh, just everybody shit on him all the time. Yeah, uh, that woman at um, uh, the uh, insane, not an insane asylum. I'm trying to think of the right word, the, the mental hospital. That's a much yeah. more appropriate word to use for it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she's just like, I don't know who you are. He's like, I'm Hawkeye. She's like, You're not a hot guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, an Avenger, one of those guys. Yeah. She's like naming the most random Avengers. He's like, you know them, but you don't know me. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. They're over um, here like the what is it back though? What is it? Oh God, what's the hearts guy? Jack oh, uh, Jack of Hearts. Yeah. yeah. I'm uh, I just happen to be reading that Avengers run right now. Oh nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm like when 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 people remember him over you, that's a sad day. Yeah. Uh, and uh I think that and um, in free uh, free fall when Luke Cage is talking to him while he's getting shot up and he's like, "Dude, can you at least pretend to like try to duck?" Because it's really <laughs> masculating. <laughs> right, you're just getting shot at standing there while I'm hiding. Yeah, it's like I got to duck oh. down behind this and like you're really embarrassing me. <laughs> oh god, I love it. That's so good because you forget like that he's just the average guy he's just yeah. really talented at throwing arrows it, i uh i've i've got a lot of hope for the uh hawkeye series i don't know uh Haley steinfeld's work too well i'm i'm hoping she can be as charming as uh kate bishop is in the thompson run if if oh, she man. is then i will uh it will instantly be my favorite marvel show wait so you never watched um um bumblebee the Transformer movie? No, I I think I I Ooh. I clocked out at I think the second Transformers movie because uh, you you don't have to watch any other one besides that one. Just watch that one. And uh, she she kills it in that movie. All right, I'll have to I'll have to give it a shot. I uh, I clocked yeah. out of the um, Transformers movies pretty early because I have a memory of uh, my dad worked on one of the cars for the movie. So oh uh, yeah yeah. Uh, it, because yeah, uh, my dad does like um does like painting and clay modeling work so he did oh, like nice. uh i think he did the windshield on uh bumblebee or uh mm-hmm. something like that but uh, like he was all excited and we went and saw the movie and just walking out being like that's the most disappointing piece of shit we've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> it's cgi galore man no yeah. <laughs> That's why I like the Bumblebee movie because it's it's more hard and it's just focused on one character and you got you get to like it actually did what the cartoons did where it built the relationship with the human and the robot and it just wasn't this Mister Witwicky Witwicky's got to help us yeah. find the Omicron. It's so dumb. 
like I feel like there's uh, especially in the Transformer movies, I feel like it's so easy to hate Shia LaBeouf. And oh yeah, it it there's a, a weird thing with him a lot where. Uh, like I went through a period for a long time where I hated him so much, but I liked all of his movies, and I it drove me <laughs> even crazier. <laughs> and, Dude, I, that's how I felt too. <laughs> have you ever seen Eagle Eye? I think so. That that movie is the uh, most obvious uh, product placement I've ever seen in movies. Oh God! Uh, where the like he's um like he's on an earpiece with somebody in the mall and they're like go into the sharper image and like grab a snickers bar and like at the end he like hands the girl a video game and he's like i got you rock band too <laughs> like geez man the product placement so bad in that movie oh my god it's like the kid version of um that will smith movie um enemy of the state that's what this reminds me of oh uh, my god <laughs> Yeah. That looks bad. <laughs> it, I, I will give him his dues, though. I don't know if you ever saw his like his little indie movie that he made. He was really good in it. The uh, which Honey Boy. Oh no, Peanut Butter Falcon. Peanut Butter Falcon, where he I've basically heard, plays his dad. I've been meaning to watch that because I have heard it, it's really good. It, I've kind of I've come to a a point where I like I don't I don't mind him as much as I I used to. Like I used to really be annoyed by him but like he's been in a uh, good and enough stuff that i'm like all right he he's fine i don't get angry when i see him anymore yeah <laughs> he he did that he's... one movie that was just rear window but like it was still good. oh yeah that's right man it, it's it's one of those things where like when they're children actors you know you're like you're either gonna go one or two ways man you're either gonna really be shitty in all these b movies or you're actually be successful yeah, but I think the uh, the worst case of child actor that I've ever heard of is uh, there was a kid who was in um, he was in one scene or like one episode of Power Rangers, and then he like mm -hmm. grew up to be a murderer and like chopped oh, his own shit. penis off. Oh my god! Yeah, that's insane. It's like the, the darkest turns. Like, oh, that guy was in Power. Oh my god, he did that! <laughs> Holy crap! Yeah, dude, it's, it's the same thing with like that girl that was in Smallville, and then she ends up running a sex cult. Oh, dude, I uh, I just rewatched. I don't know if you remember the show Wilfred, uh, but yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I had forgot how much she was in that show, and she plays like the the quirky, cute girl who's like is just the right person for the main character at, at the yeah. moment that he needs her, and it's like. It's like, man, I know how manipulative she is and like how insane she is. And she ends up being crazy in the show. And you're like, well, I saw that coming. <laughs> <laughs> That's just true to form. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, man, this, oh, man. this, I can't tell if this aged really well or really bad. Right. Exactly. When you're like, ooh, looking back, the signs were there. Yeah. <laughs> like she was a little too good at this. Have you seen like the video she like the recruitment video she made for that? No, no, uh, I need to watch that. They're real creepy because it's it's like the she's like yeah but, like they turn my life around they'll turn your life around too, and then like knowing that like that's what people saw and then they came in because they wanted something better and she's branding them and torturing them like it's so messed up like 
you can tell she's one of those people who like uh she can switch on a dime and you can kind of see it in her i don't know if it's like hindsight but you can kind of see it in her eyes you're like you're dangerous yeah that's kind of wild man like the the other dudes from smallville don't even like bring her up they don't even talk about her like anytime they're at like q a's they never talk about her yeah, I, I'd imagine it's a lot like uh, of, of like being a wrestler and like somebody asks you about Chris Benoit. You're like, you don't want to talk oh, about no, no, no. You just you just say, oh, well, he, he was a wrestler. He was a guy. Yeah, he existed. Yeah. But that's about as much as we're going to say about him. Because I'm like, yeah, because then you have to dissect all of wrestling and how wrestling basically destroyed his freaking mind. Yeah. Uh, it, it, like that is definitely a huge part of it is that you can't look at what happened with Chris Benoit without uh, seeing how terrible that uh, wrestling has been as an industry. Oh yeah. Like look what it's done to so many people. Like they, a lot of them can't function or are so dependent on that high about being a wrestler or having their big moments that they try to do anything they can to try to get that back. Yeah, it's so many people like are they're trying to like hold on to the uh, the huge moments in their life. But Mm -hmm. their their mind is just like they say every wrestler has like uh, a little bit of CTE. Yeah. Yeah. Like same with football players. And like you can can see it in a lot of their eyes, like like Dynamite Kid, like he he was Chris Benoit before Chris Benoit was. Right. And like he same story path for him. He like went crazy and was hurting the people around him. And and imagine the stories that we don't hear because there's I'm sure there's a lot more than than just those few. Oh yeah. It's rare that a wrestler makes it to their like seventies or eighties. Like most of them die in their forties or fifties. Yep. Dude, like Look at people like China and like, you know, um, oh, what's her name? Oh my gosh, I forget her name. But like, there's a lot of, even like the women, they go through it and like all these characters that were like playing a part in wrestling and when their part isn't like wanted anymore, they just get thrown to the wayside. Like yeah. when the Samoa thing isn't cool anymore, you know? Yeah, it, it's and it's real really rough on women too because like i'll I'll think like oh like uh like trish stratus like retired when she was like 40 or something she's been retired Mm -hmm. for like 15 years and i find out now she's like 42 i'm like oh she at like 28 she was too old and they just like kick her out yeah because vince likes them young yep and like uh the horrible things they've done to mickey james like she, she's oh my had god dude so much shitty mickey, things happen with her mickey james she's i don't know why she stuck around it so long like melina left because she was not putting up with that bullshit yeah and she has no qualms telling anyone about how it is like when mickey james left melina was like thank god i don't know how you stuck around there so long but you know what when like that's when you have a family and that's it you know, you'll do some shit for your family, man. Yeah, you, like, you don't really have a choice at that point where it's... And, like, you're not even making that much from wrestling. Like, you gotta... No. They don't even offer health insurance. 
Like no, you got to pay for room and, and if, travel. And if you're not even on the show, if you don't actually even have a match, you don't even get paid. Yeah, you know they pay you. Uh, they pay you less if you lose the match. Not surprised at all. Yeah, it, it's like that. You scheduled them to lose the match. <laughs> like that doesn't yeah. make any sense. Like, you wrote the narrative, so you're basically cheating them out of money. How great is that? Yeah, it's an, it's insane. I just don't understand how that. I don't understand how wrestling still exists with all the shit that that goes into it. Yeah, that's that's why I was pretty excited for uh, AEW because they uh, they seem to actually take care of their wrestlers. And I, I I can't remember if they actually have them on as employees or as contractors like WWE, but I I know yeah. that. WWE has a weird thing where like you're a contractor, but they'll fire you if you work for anybody else, which like exactly. legally they should be able to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand that at all. And then like some of them are contractually obligated to go to the Saudi Arabia show where like it, it's just a bad idea first of yeah. all for them to have that. It goes wrong that every time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is such a terrible idea, but they're like John Cena coming back to do it, but it's because he had the job contractually obligated to come back and do things like that. Yeah. Well, and John Cena's big enough too, where if uh, to get him to do that one show, like he's making millions of dollars, but there's millions. There's some dude who uh, flew out that night and he's only making like a thousand bucks to be in that show. That's just so tragic. Like, listening to the podcast with the, the New Day and them talking about how, like, they would have to share rooms or drive together just to save enough money to have, like, food for the month. And I was like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, it's insane. Yeah. You put your life on the line to get nothing. They just, um, uh, um, so I think Selena Vega, I think is her name or something like that. They, uh, yeah. They just fired her a couple months ago because she had an OnlyFans account, which and she wasn't even doing nudes on it. She was just doing cosplay, but they fired her for it. What? Yeah, I didn't even know that was a reason. Yeah, they because they came out with some mandate that um, if you have any um, any like entertainment, like if you had like a podcast or a YouTube channel, you have to go through yeah. WWE. Or else you would wow. get fired. So wow. I think the only one allowed to keep the stuff right now is um, uh, is uh, the like the guys in New Day, and I think it's yeah. just because they work with WWE on it, which is ironic because they they rip into Vince and they always call him he who should not be named. Yeah, <laughs> but they know Vince is too old to ever even figure out how to use YouTube. Ever figure it out? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, that's so wild to me. Especially because, like, they were such idiots not to market it early on. Because you see people like, um, oh my God, I'm spacing on his name. Uh, Zach Ryder. Um, Zach Ryder, thank you so much. You already knew where I was going with it. Zach yeah. Ryder was so smart. He was already on that YouTube stuff and he was on top of it. He was the first guy. Like, he, he, they were never going to give him any kind of push. And he no. made himself a star, and they did everything they could to bury him. Yup, yup. And it's one of those things where, like, you have to get ahead of the game. 
Yeah. Like, how do you successfully run a business doing that? Like the guy made himself famous. You had to put no work into it, but because you didn't make him, you don't want him to be a star. Exactly. Which, because he doesn't fit your like role. I'm like, the Long Island, he had catchphrases. He had his own belt. I'm like, come on, man. You don't give a guy like that opportunities. And uh, a gimmick that, should have never worked in the WWE. Like the the, yeah. the WWE fan, the average fan would uh, not like that kind of like Long Island bro stuff. But like yeah. he he uh, got over despite that. And I would I would argue that he's the reason that Matt Riddle is able to do his bro gimmick and people take Thank him seriously. You. Thank you, absolutely. I've been saying that ever since he came into it. I was like, oh, look at this knockout version of uh, a yeah. <laughs> Look at MJF. He perfected it. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, I think, one of the greatest things with AEW is that uh, if you can get yourself over, then they'll put you on. Like oh, some yeah. of the, the uh, things that seem like the dumbest gimmicks that you'd never think would work. Uh, like, uh, I can't think of the guy's name right now, but uh orange cassidy uh yeah that should his gimmick never should have worked and he (laughs) pulled it off and they put him on it's crazy but he got it to work it's insane because they're like you know what let's take a shot it's because they're young and they're hungry and they want to see what the crowd wants to stick to like i commend cody rhodes for putting sunny kiss and giving him a platform or giving them a platform to be able to wrestle up there with like, you know, big names that, you know, you would never see a person from the LGBT openly as open as that person fighting in main events, like against Cody Rhodes. And he held his own. Yeah. They're, um, uh, for a long time, their, uh, their woman's champion was a uh, trans woman. Yeah. I was actually at the game. I was there when Nyla Rose won her belt. And I was like, this is insane. And it was so weird because, you know, it's Texas. So people didn't know, like, half the arena didn't know how to react. So, And I'm, like, cheering my head off. I'm like, this is insane. I never thought that this would happen. I, I genuinely heard people around that time saying, like, um, like don't you think it's uh, unfair that a trans woman is uh, able to compete against women is like, you know, it's wrestling, right? <laughs> like, right. It's not right. exactly. It's like, that's such a weird uh, idea to even pop in your head. Like it, it doesn't matter. It was going to be scripted for whoever they wanted to win anyway. Exactly. I'm like, then you can say the same thing for awesome Kong. You can say the same thing yeah. for um, Nadia. You can say the same thing for a lot of characters. Yeah. Uh, for, China? for China. For China. Exactly. I was like, they've they've been bigger girls and they've been the little tiny girls. And you're like, oh, how is this even? Or how is this fair? Yeah, and it's not like uh like if I went and tried to fight like Trish Stratus, she'd kick my ass. <laughs> like exactly. But I'm like, I'm I wouldn't want to go against Asuka. I know Asuka will break every bone in my body. I know, I'd love to meet her, but I would not want to fight her. <laughs> <laughs> I would not want to fight her because yeah. if it were in a legit fight. She would win. Like, even, like, DeVille, all of them. 
Yeah. Like most of the girls in a the most of the girls in NXT could kick most people's asses. Oh yeah. Uh uh it, watch like one ladder match especially with Naomi and how insanely oh, talented man. she is. And like you know Forget like about it. She'd run circles around you. She would murder me. <laughs> Dude, with her thighs alone, she'd fucking just snap you. Yeah, she would just bash my head in with her ass and like take me out. <laughs> but what a good way to go, though. You know? I'd be cool with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, as you're dying, you're like, I went good. If I got it out. <laughs> It's it's better than uh than a heart attack in uh in my forties, so you know. <laughs> right, exactly. It's better than getting Rakishi to death. Yeah. With better. a stink face. Oh god. No. Oh. <laughs> the, the amount of people that had to live through that, man. And you know Dude. Rikishi pitched that laughing his ass off. Like they will never go for this. If they do, it'll be the funniest thing. <laughs> Especially with the name Stink Face. Yeah. And the fact that he gave it to Vince McMahon and Vince was okay with that. I was like, damn, you yeah. go, man. That is as shitty as Vince is, the one thing you have to give him credit for is he will do every single thing that he makes other people do. <laughs> oh yeah. He puts himself in the line for it. That's for sure, man. Yeah. And it put this whole freaking family in the line for it, actually. <laughs> yeah. Like Shane McMahon does not have to almost kill himself every time he goes and wrestles, but he doesn't. Literally, anytime it's a hell in the cell, I'm like, this is the, the year he dies. This is the year he yeah. doesn't come back. It just every time he does the coast to coast, I'm like, dude, you are too old to be doing too this. Too old. Uh, just oh my God. seeing him throw like three punches, I'm like, dude, you're gonna have a heart attack. Like mm-hmm. he's all he, like he's all red in the face. His face gets all yeah. red. I'm like, how can I see Ric Flair do it time and time again and think he'll be okay over you, dude? Yeah. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I uh, I think I'm gonna uh, call at this point. We got a good uh, almost two hours on this one. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> about hour uh, hour forty, but yeah, yeah, kind of took a tangent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, what we said before this that we were just gonna we we're gonna talk a little bit about Kate's, but kind of just casual conversation. So, you know, I I appreciate you coming on the show, having a great conversation with you. For sure, man. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, anytime. Man. Uh, tell the people where they can find you at. You can find me at Chongo ATX on all the socials. All right. That's yeah. it on all my social media. <laughs> yeah. I'm Chongo ATX everywhere. You want to hunt me down, you can find me. Yeah. And if uh, you want to be entertained by, uh, he's got a uh, great post that he's doing all the time on Twitter. Um, and uh, you can find me and uh, all the uh, Max Men stuff at Max Men Podcast on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, yeah. Th- th- again, thanks for being on, man. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, that's for today.